Hello and welcome to the eighth episode of the Timber and Technology Podcast by Timber Exchange. In this podcast, I speak to forest industry leaders and innovators from across the world, interviewing them to get their thoughts on what is happening in the industry, the global market, and how technology can contribute. And I am your host, Amir Rashad. I am born and raised in the forestry industry, and my family has been active in the industry for over 50 years. And I have myself traded timber globally for a decade. But today I lead Timber Exchange that offers supply chain tools, a B2B marketplace, and a market data hub. The platform is built for the unique needs of the global timber industry and offers 100 smart tools in five languages, including Russian, Chinese, and Arabic, covering all steps from inquiry of timber until it arrives at destination. And it allows colleagues and counterparties to manage sales, logistics, and legal obligations from a central workspace that automatically creates tasks, schedules, and warnings. Go to www.timber.exchange to learn more. In this episode, I speak with Mr. Ayush Gupta, a director in Sri AK Impex in India, who is one of the leading importers and distributors in the Indian timber market. And it's a very educational and interesting episode because we discuss how the Indian timber market works and what they require, what sawmills should consider when they enter this market, how the market has reacted to the volatile swings that we have seen, but also how the market is performing today and what opportunities lie ahead for both importers and exporters. Welcome to episode 8 of the Timber and Technology Podcast by Timber Exchange. Welcome to the Timber and Technology Podcast, a meeting point for forestry, trade, and innovation. Interviewing the innovators and industry leaders. Hosted by Amir Rashad. Hello, Mr. Ayush Gupta and Warm, warm welcome to the Timber and Technology Podcast. How are you today? Hello, Mr. Amir. All the best wishes and greetings from me to all the viewers and the listeners who are currently listening to our podcast. I'm good and hope how you are also well. I'm well, thank you. Mr. Ayush, my first question to you today is, who are you and what is your company? Amir Ji, Ayush Gupta. I'm one of the directors of Shri AK Impacts LLP. Our company is a family-owned business and we deal in all the kinds of timber ranging from hardwood from Suriman, Solomon Islands, Malaysia, even teakwood from Ecuador, Ghana, Honduras, and softwood like spruce and pinewood from Europe, Russia, Ukraine, New Zealand, Australia. So we are trustworthy and prominent importers and I represent the third generation in our company. We have a head office in Delhi, India, which is the capital. And we also have a manufacturing plant at Gandhidam, Gujarat, which is the major hub for timber in India. And warehouse at Navashiva Port, India, Mumbai. 
So we are the only company which is based at all the major ports in India and having customers all over the India from north to south. We have customers at all the states everywhere. We are widely scattered about our company. Wow, super interesting. So with such a wide coverage, you surely have a pulse on both the Indian and the international timber markets. Definitely, definitely. Like we clearly watch what's going on the Indian Indian market as well domestically. How is the customer reacting? As well as how the suppliers are offering the products, what products they are offering, how the prices are going. Even not from the only the suppliers, but other competitive markets. Like if you see the last year, the US gone crazy and prices shoot up because of the US. Every like sawmill which can do an S4S or a US grading just exported to US and left all the other markets. Because of that, the prices were booming, booming, booming. So that's why now like the policy is to keep a close check on all the international markets as well as the suppliers and domestically also. And me and you have worked together in the past, which has been very interesting. And I've visited you in India as well. But a lot of companies and sawmills still haven't worked with India and especially not directly. So... I think it could be interesting for them to tell them, to introduce Indian market rather, how it works and so on. So the Indian market, as I understand it, imports both logs and timber. Is that correct? Absolutely. Indian market imports both logs and lumber. I will just give a brief about the Indian market. How much does it import? What's the volume? Like if any other suppliers or the sawmill is listening to it, what they need to cater or what they need to look at. Why to look at India? India imports around 4 million cubic meters of logs per year. It's an approximate figure. Exact figures, I can just message you if you want. Like It's an approximate 4 million cubic meters of logs of all the species and around 2 million cubic meters of lumber. And what are the main hubs that these logs and timber are delivered to? And what are the differences between the hubs? The major hub is the Gandhinam Gujarat port which has over 2,000 sawmills and around 65% of all the timber is processed or sold from Gandhidam, Gujarat. So you can see the volume of the major hub is 65%. If it's only concentrated, it's, it's in this port. And if you compare it to the other hubs, the difference is of the processing of the sawmills. Like mostly the sawmills are situated in this region only and the other regions or the other hubs there is mostly trading of the sawn sizes there is one more hub dindigul in south of india but it's not so much big as compared to this hub so and there are all small uh, small small hubs scattered all over india like navashiva port some bangalore some kolkata but they are mostly the uh, sawn sizes are traded which are directly imported in containers and directly traded. There is no processing or refurbishment of the timber. But why does 65% of everything go to Gandhidam? Is that also where the regional demand is, so to speak? That that's where the consumption is taking place in the, in the region around it? Or how does it work? Because India is still a very, very big country. The reason is that if you see 50% of India doesn't have an access to the port. The rest 50%, there is coastline going for the rest 50% of the boundaries of the India. So if you see the northern region, which has a good demand for the timber, so all the wood is imported at this port and all the demand is catered for the north of the India through this port. And this port is very strategically located. It's located 
you can like in the center of near the center of india so you can easily cater to the north you can easily cater to the center you can easily cater some to the south or east or west so that's the strategic location it's and basically 95% of the timber which is used in india is imported so there has to be a port and this port has a strategic location and due to the government schemes and norms a lot of sawmills have been set up we have direct bulk vessels coming all the timber is logs are directly imported in bulk vessels even container stations are very good so that's why the movement of the timber is very much at this hub and you mentioned bulk vessels as well coming with logs so what are some of the top exporting markets in logs the and top exporting markets i would say is new zealand uruguay australia somewhat between it was chile malaysia initially and then you can say some african countries as well usa usa logs not doesn't comes in bulk but it comes in containers definitely then you have europe russia there are a lot of major markets but for bulk i would say definitely new zealand australia uruguay are the major ones which are exporting a lot of softwood logs pine logs to india okay and who are the top exporters of sawn timber the sawn timber i'd say top exporter would be germany austria but if you say for the last year they might have changed ukraine russia belarus okay. usa the volume from us also dropped the last year but still they were initially very big they were g- giving a lot of volume germany austria were catering a lot of volume for the indian market okay because i remember actually in the early days before we knew each other i used to get a lot of inquiries for timber to india but it was mostly s4s and sawn timber wasn't very wasn't preferred or requested but i've seen a shift that sawn timber is more and more widely accepted in india how is it today there are separate markets for the sawn timber there are separate markets and dimensions for the profiled or s4s timber it depends upon the usage initially people preferred s4s when they started buying timber from uh, foreign countries it was initially preferred s4s because the customer could pay more and they can initially pay more for the baltic or the swedish uh, swedish sawmills that's why but the rough sawn timber basically started when germany austria started giving a lot of material to the indian market so and then the end users also developed a fondness for the rough sawn because they found it much better to process it when compared to the fresh sawn timber from the logs which are milled at the indian sawmills so that's why the shift started so what does the indian timber or lumber market actually require and what are the top industrial uses for it indian market requires like in every species there is something or the other requirement if i speak about softwood pine is more preferred than spruce the major running sizes are 67 by 117 34 by 94 then we have big widths for construction or furniture usage like 35 by 225 35 by 250 37 by 250 37 by 225 it depends on the usage but, but the mas- basically the usage for these sizes is construction and then we have some packaging usage as well like we have a lot of pallet manufacturers india is globally leading like in the process of leading exports the government has uh, initiated a program make in india so to help the domestic manufacturers and make more of exports so ex- more of exports means more more of packaging timber requirement so there is a lot of increasing requirement for the packaging timber 15 mm 16 mm thickness 95 mm width 1.1 meter 
length, 1.2 meter length, 1.1 meter length, and multiples of that, even like 17 mm, 18 mm thickness, 22 mm thickness. Then we have the runners going by 90 by 90, 70 by 95 everything that's for the packaging used and then we have some s4s products especially for the furniture requirements and uh, like 38 by 2 to 5 we have some furniture requirements 45 mm s4s we have some furniture requirements so these are the major requirements then if you compare with hardwood teak wood the sawn sizes run for the teak wood from brazil are uh, 75 by 75 75 by 100 from the teak wood and then you have hardwood like hardwood is basically Right now, there are containers coming in sawn sizes, but basically, initially, it was more of for the logs, which were imported for hardwood. That's the like a synopsis. What about other key Nordic or Russian dimensions? Like, let's say, for example, 25, 50 millimeter, 38, things like, like that. For these dimensions, there are not any specific uses. Customer can require, but only at the price for the stock list. Like I know that these sizes, a lot of Russian sawmills are cutting mainly for China or some other specific markets, and they can get a higher prices for these dimensions. But in India, the customers don't have any specific uses for these dimensions, so they won't be able to give higher prices for these dimensions. But the dimensions which I earlier talked about, people can give higher prices because these are specific Indian dimensions which work mostly around the year, plus or minus some volume depending on the season. There can be, but still the market is good for these dimensions. Okay, what about lengthwise? Because some sawmills have falling lengths and, you know, increments of 0.3. Some sawmills have three and four meters and some sawmills have up to six meters predominantly in Russia. So lengthwise, what's important to the Indian market? It depends upon the, basically, I would tell you that it depends upon the market. It depends upon the state which you are catering to. And these uh, lengths, India is very like flexible in, but there are some markets, there are some sizes which are workable in three meter, four meter. But that's, that's like, I think a very small percentage. But in, in talking about the lengths, the Indian customers are very flexible for that one because three meter, four meter, five meter, six meter, mostly everything is workable and we are buying all the major lengths. Like every size is also workable, but it depends on the price and the what use it goes for. What's the most important, Ayush, to Indian timber buyers? Is it brand, origin, price, species, dimension? Initially, Initially, the customer sees the dimension first, like what requirement he has, what dimension he needs, whether he needs 28 mm, 30 mm, 35 mm, 68 mm, 67 mm, what thickness first he requires, what's the size you have. And then he sees the species. There are like some sizes which runs in pine only. There are some dimensions which can be both like spruce pine. So, and then the price. Price is the biggest constraint in India because like India has some domestic wood as well. And India, like there are, if you see for the soft wood, India has some domestic wood. Secondly, there are these logs which are imported from Australia, New Zealand, Uruguay. And then you have lumber from these fresh lumber, which are cut at the sawmills. And then you have these kin right sizes, which are imported directly from the sawmills. So the price is the biggest constraint for the user. Like what price gap he has between a kindred fresh product from sawmills in Sweden or any other country than to the sawmills which are giving locally domestically cutting New Zealand or Uruguay pine logs. And brand and quality also matters, but it, it's I think after that because price first dimension, then species, then price, and then brand and quality. Because if the price is high 
and the quality is low, the customer would refuse. Definitely, that's why the price comes before the quality. But what if it's a good brand with a good quality at a slightly higher price than, for example, an unbranded producer selling a smaller volume? In that case, I think the brand won't work because like timber is something like it's all about the raw material. It's not something you can't be like, if you use a timber, you can't just showcase it where you, if like, if you make a bench for timber for an A grade sawmill and a C grade sawmill, and if the material for the raw material is good for a C grade than the A grade, you can't distinguish between whether it's with sawmill. Like if you use a handbag between a Louis Vuitton and some lower brand like Michael Kors, people can easily recognize, yeah, it's Louis Vuitton. So yeah, it's cost this much. It's Michael Kors, it's cost this much. That's why people can pay more for Louis Vuitton. But it's not the case in timber. Timber only depends on the raw material and everything. If you make a bench for any raw material, you can't just specify which raw material or which sawmill product is used. No, it it will showcase. The quality will showcase itself. That's why the brand or the sawmill doesn't matter so much. Okay, let me ask you in this perspective obviously we know that there's a difference between nordic and south european timber what about in that case absolutely in that case people were more aware of in people who have more information about the raisins and everything slow grown natural grown trees and a plantation tree if they have more of knowledge if the end user have more of knowledge in that case definitely yes but to a major extent the knowledge for the end user is not so much in india regarding this thing regarding the timber or something so that's why if me as an end user most of the end users believe me 80 percent of the end users in india won't have known such differences between a nordic pine or something south african or south pine so that's why for them the price constraint and what they see physically see mm-hmm. is the matter is nordic timber popular in India and is, is, do you believe there is an opportunity for it to grow? I won't say that it's so much popular because of the volume for the Nordic timber is not so much in India regarding the shipping constraints and everything and uh, there is a potential for increase but like the major lack from the Nordic side is that no regularity like two months, three months they can cut some Indian sizes they can cater and then for the rest of the year they won't be cutting because they have huge good internal demand or the European demand or they can export better to the other countries. So that's the irregularity we face from the Nordic sawmills. Like if the Chinese market or some market goes down, then we receive more and more offers from the Nordic countries. And then if the market goes up, they are just simply disappear. They are nowhere to be seen. So that's like, that's the major concern from the Nordic. And that's, I think, that's as well as the price. In the India, the customers doesn't understand the quality for the Nordic pine or the Nordic spruce, Nordic timber. That's why they can't offer much higher price than the other timber they buy from other countries from the Europe. So that's also the other constraint. Price is also the other constraint. So what do you think sawmills should consider when they are deciding if to enter the Indian market? And what efforts do they need to take to enter successfully? Firstly, like they should understand the Indian market. They should understand the, for the softwood, I would be telling that there are some custom sizes which are more popular in redwood or the pine silvestre is the botanical name. So like 67 by 117, 34 by 94, 34 by 118, even 34 by 225, 34 by 250. These are all most popular sizes which the Indian customers or the Indian importers can even pay higher prices. These are custom Indian sizes, but these are totally workable only in pine, not in spruce. 
And India also buys a lot of stock lots, but the stock lots depends on the prices. It's only a matter of prices for the stock lots. And the sawmills should consider catering regularly to the Indian customers and with a constraint of the prices. That's what I will just, in short one line, I would just tell the sawmills about that Indian customers buy regularly. The demand would increase, fall, but it's still there is some stability in the demand for the Indian customers. But depending upon the price, everything like the, depends upon the price. And I personally like a policy for the few of the sawmills, which I am also working. They're working with other Indian importers as well, that they regularly give some volume. Even if the price is high or low in the other competitive countries, they still give some volume to the Indian customers so that the Indian customers don't switch to other alternatives or competitors. And even they maintain their standards and commitment. That's, I think, the policy I like about some of the suppliers, like even the US suppliers, even some suppliers from Estonia, they regularly give some volume. Maybe the price is very high in some other market. They won't forget about the Indian market. They won't forget about the Indian customer still. And what you say is very important, actually. Let's say you're a sawmill working globally. In our industry, there is no real central price index, especially if you look at European or Russian timber. US market is something more special and unique. And let's put that aside for a second. So as a sawmill, in order to have a pulse on global timber markets, you need to be globally active. And if you, like some sawmills, if you only focus on Central Europe plus China, Egypt, and a little bit North Africa, you're missing potential signals on how the market is performing. So you should, in my opinion, you should never put all your eggs in one basket. You should always Absolutely. spread out the risk because this industry is so, so volatile that you always need to be able to be flexible. And if you're constantly going in between markets and supply chains and you know all these different things, it's actually a disadvantage in the long term. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's why like you should have all your ends open. You should have all your markets open. Like that's perfectly fine. It's the rule for the business as whichever market is more profitable, you should cater to that more. But more, not only like you should not forget about the other customers or the other markets, even if the prices is low. You should just be catering some smaller volumes so that still it's rotating. And the same thing goes actually for buyers. Sure, Absolutely. you can buy cheap in Ukraine and Romania, for example, or Slovenia, but that's not the whole market. That's not the whole world. Absolutely. That's goes because, very because well. Because where are the biggest volumes coming from? Central Europe, Nordics, Russia. And of course, uh, North America. And having a pulse on that as a buyer as well tells you how are other competing importing markets, Holland, Egypt, China, whatever it might be, how are they doing, working and thinking? Absolutely, absolutely. So that's like, the, I think the bang on point for that is that it goes very well for the buyers as well, even for the suppliers as well as for the buyers as well. Thank you for sharing super in-depth how the Indian timber market works. But I'd okay. like to... I'd like to back up a little bit. So the timber imports, you said, started around 21 years ago, essentially, or log yeah. imports, maybe. But how yes. has the timber market developed, let's say, over the past 10 years? In the Indian timber market has developed or evolved a lot. I will just give a small brief history that in 1997, the Indian government banned the cutting of the Indian forest or the Indian trees and import for foreign timber started. In India, at that time, initially, the people only preferred hardwood. It included both Malaysian hardwood, teak from Ecuador, Ghana, ivory, 
it was much later that the market for the sort would develop. Currently, if I speak about the current synopsis or the current situation, 45% of the market share is held by softwood in India. Hardwood, including teak, comprises of something like 35 to 40%. And the balance... 15% or the rest of the other species. So right now, the major market goes for the softwood because it's cheap. And in India, the market is, has a low, like a growth potential because of the increasing population, increasing gross domestic product, GDP, which the IMF has estimated to be around 7.4% for 2022. So that's why if the income increases and if the standard of living increases in India and the population increases, the demand for timber will increase and that's increasing day by day that we can also feel the pinch as well. So that's a small like how the Indian market has evolved. Currently, like there is a import for logs, lumber as well. And now people have even started buying some high grade, not so much, but some little bit volume for high grade, which people are using for export. I actually did an analysis previously for, I believe, a Russian forestry conference. I believe it was St. Petersburg Forestry Conference. I don't have the analysis in front of me now, but essentially, I remember that the highest market wood per capita consumption, I believe, is the US. And then around half of that is Sweden, slightly lower than is our key markets like Egypt and China. And far below that is India. So I was calculating if the Indian market would reach an average per capita consumption of timber similar to Egypt and China, not the US because that's extremely high, that would mean that India would import approximately 11 or 15 million cubic meters of timber per year, which is a huge amount. Absolutely. like That's a huge amount. And that's what I told you that Indian market has a growth potential. It's growing slowly and steadily. It's increasing, it's increasing, it's increasing. And right now the government is aiming at a furniture hub. Like if you see China exports a lot of like timber it imports and 40% of the imported like timber it imports, 40% of the timber is used to make goods that are exported. So similarly, the Indian government is aiming at to make some manufacture hub in India. So that the people can also start exporting or using, making timber for furniture. Currently, the high-end like furnitures are not made in timber in India. But the government has initiated some steps so that we can just start exporting some furniture to the European back. We can import the timber. We can manufacture the furniture elements or some like bedding cats or something like that and then export back to Europe or some other markets and even the IKEA has entered India I think three years back and it's growing more firmly in the Indian markets and the IKEA needs to domestically domestically procure 70% of its sales through Indian customers or Indian manufacturers so that would be other player as well that would be revolutionary for the global timber market if India both started consuming more wood domestically and also started value adding it and then exporting it out again that would be the major i think the game changer i would uh, say that when the india starts value adding and starts exporting so india can even buy much more like high-end or high-grade timber that china is doing from all the markets currently the india doesn't buy so much of high-end grade timber because it has to be domestically sold only there is no like there is no buyer or there is no end customer who can pay so much higher price. And there is a lot more competition for the pine or the softwood in comparison to hardwood, which 
the Indian customer has assumption that hardwood is much more better in all the terms that softwood. Softwood only runs in India because it's cheap. When there is a price constraint, then only the customer prefers softwood. If believe me, if you keep a price for timber, right, like it happened last year or this year only, that the price for the timber softwood almost reached the same for the hardwood. So the people started preferring more of hardwood because it's much better. There is no knots. It has a much more longer life and everything. And also during that price increase, the difference between the qualities became very, very small. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because it was all about material. It was all about material. The game didn't remain. It was about quality. Even the sawmills didn't have the option to choose which quality of logs they need. And similarly, we also never had the option that what would be the percentage of the quality we need. It was only the timber, what volume the sawmill is ready to give us and what volume the forestry is ready to give the sawmills for the logs. It was all about volume for the last, I think, one year. It's, it was not about the quality. So on that topic of increasing timber prices, how did the Indian market react and how did you keep up with other increasing markets which were paying outrageous prices like China, the US, Egypt and Central Europe? The Indian market... I would truly say that the Indian market initially reacted in accordance with the price increase. When the prices increased, the customers also increased the prices. We were also able to increase the price initially. But after when there was the prices increases, increasing, increasing, then more than six months, there was no stability. Like if the customer currently we are paying, if the customer currently is giving $100 and after two weeks he returns and then also we give him $110. And then after this process continued more than six months it was the time that the customer started shifted to substitutes or cheaper wood or even lower dimensions for example for the pallet producers where they were initially using 22 mm the producer started using 20 mm there was a demand for 20 mm or initially where the uh, pallet manufacturers were using 19 mm they started using 17 mm 18 mm so that they can cap or they can just nullify the effect for the increasing prices or people who were more buying kin dried products started buying fresh timber because it was much cheaper and there was stability in the prices so i would say that when the prices increased a lot from i think from february when the us started picking up more when the prices increased and skyrocketed then the customers shifted to other substitutes or cheaper wood. That was the Indian reaction for the increase in price. Or they started substituting for the Indian local timber as well. And during that period, it was also there were also significant logistics problems on many routes. Have you been affected by higher container rates, equipment availability, or delays? And if so, how did you manage it? And do you have any advice to other companies? I would say that if anyone in the world says that he hasn't been affected by the freight rate, so in any direct or indirect sense, I would say that he's very lucky or maybe he has some other house in some other planet because everyone in the world was affected directly or indirectly due to some inflated prices or something due to the freight increase or due to even the supply chain was disrupted in any way. So the freight prices increased initially a lot. Right now, even the free days, the shipping lines have decreased the free rates. Initially, they used to give 14 days free days at the Indian ports. Then they decreased to 12 days, then 8 days, 10 days. Now, now some shipping lines are offering 10 to 6 days. 
So we need to clear the cargo more fast and the rotation for the containers is more fast. And also there is lower availability of the spaces on the vessels. And timber, like the cost for a container for a timber is very low when you compare it to the agriculture or other products. So it depends upon the cost also. And in, in the freight prices increased when for the timber, the prices, if you see per CBM, increased a lot because it's only 40 to 50 cubes of kin dried timber that comes in one like in one container 40 feet container and the prices almost doubled more than doubled in the past one year we have been affected a lot but initially like everything added to the cost the cost went very high even the shipments got delayed a lot like where the transit time was 30 to 35 days we were waiting for the material to for 45 50 60 days even solve this problem we took some few steps like we started prior bill of entry, filing bill of entry in the Indian customs so that we can release the cargo from the Indian customs much faster. And we can like within the stipulated time period, six days, 10 days, seven days, we can clear the cargo, get it on our warehouse, unload it and send the containers back to the empty yard. This is one step that we took. And secondly, we increased our stock levels so that we can regularly cater to the customers who have regular demands so that the customers are regularly intact to us and they don't have to go to some other importer or some other manufacturer for the products. So that was the like major challenge as well. But still challenges comes and you need to find solution to everyone. Super interesting. Yeah, that's a very good strategy. And I've heard similar strategies deployed by importers in other parts of the world, actually. But how would you say that the Indian timber market is performing today? Indian market is performing like I would say steadily. Gradually it's increasing but still it's steady. Right now the market is that like everywhere the market is going down because of the US US market crash. Although the US market is still better for the from the last two, three months, it's still going up. But still due to the crash and due to the Chinese market falling, there is the offers which we are receiving have increased. The prices are falling. The Germans and the Austrian sawmills are just storming the Indian markets with much more volumes. But the only constraint currently is for the logistic. All the shipments are delayed. Any shipping line, like any shipping line you work with, the shipment get delayed. Even the transit time is longer. But the prices have stayed, like the prices have fallen down in internationally, even domestically also the prices have fallen down. If you see the prices for the logs, Uruguay pine logs currently being traded for the futures at 162 to 165 for K grade. And earlier they were being traded at 180 dollar. So the prices for the logs have also come down. If you see the price level for the uh, USA SYP Southern Yellow Pine logs to India, currently you can even like currently the offers are coming at 155 dollars for eight centimeter and up so india is receiving more and more offers like there would be more and more the in i hope that the inventory goes more and more up that was depleted in the past six or seven months the inventory with the importers will go more and more up and the demand would increase and the people who have already switched to other substitutes like plyboard something or the other board or aluminium or something aluminium windows or anything so they would just switch back to wood or timber yeah that's a very good point because Around April, May, the U.S. prices started falling and other key markets started reacting two, three months after that quite heavily. So since then, there's been a huge shift in prices globally. Has that change caught up with India and the local Indian market? Because I can imagine, I know, in, especially in Middle East, many 
importers and local distributors have inventories at quite high prices. And they're trying to find a way to reduce losses, but also serving the local market. So my question is, how are Indian importers dealing with this? And have the local buyers, now that the prices have fallen, come back to timber or not really yet? They are coming back to timber. Definitely, they are coming back to timber. But there is fear among the buyers. Like there is a fear among the importers as well that if we buy currently today at some like 250 euros delivered price, and if we buy after two weeks, whether the price would be 250, 245, 240, 230. So same fear the buyers or the end users have. They are coming back, but with a caution. Currently, no end user is ready to buy in bulk. Everyone is buying what is required or have current need or current demand. Nobody is ready to stock for the futures because everyone has a fear that the prices might go down and they would have losses in the stock or the inventory which they maintain. So that's why, like, but still, like, definitely, yes, if the prices are falling, the uh, more and more consumers are shifting from the other substitutes which they have shifted in the last year. So now they're coming back to timber, definitely. I was speaking in a previous episode to a ocean freight market expert. And he said that growth-wise, for example, that you know everyone is saying, oh, Mark, the market has grown 20% compared to last year. Yeah, well, it's not a fair comparison because we're comparing a very deep hole or tunnel compared to a small hill, actually. And I, I believe that's a very, very fair comparison. And that actually relates back to the U.S. price. Yes, it was around $1,600 per thousand board feet in around April or March somewhere. And currently it's around 700. Of course, it's a huge, huge difference. But if we don't compare the 700 price with last year's price and instead compare it with 2019, 18, 17, or even 15 numbers, it's a very, very good price. It's actually even so good that it's at record levels. So I believe that, or as far as I know, sawmills are still shipping to the US and very good amounts because they are still making a very decent profit. And yes, prices globally for rough sawn timber need to correct. And they've been in a correction period for now for the past six months. And I think, I don't know what you think, but please let me know that in the coming, let's say two to four months, we'll hopefully find a market balance, hopefully as vaccinations take place and more countries are opening up. Hopefully this Omicron situation doesn't spiral out of control. And that the, because also in the US, as far as I know, there's a law of diminishing returns. Sure, you can sell one cubic meter for a million dollars, or you can, you know, sell 1000 cubic meters for a thousand dollars, you know. So essentially there is that rule of what is the highest price that also allows me to sell the highest possible quantity. And I know one US expert from Canada who only works with analyzing timber markets, that the sweet spot for the highest possible consumption in the US in today's economy, after that Trump and Biden have done this, uh, signed these huge stimulus packages for four or $6 trillion, which have increased inflation, which means all prices should come up, meaning that the sweet spot for timber is around 706 to six to 700 dollars 
per thousand board feet, which is around three hundred eighty to four hundred dollars per square meter. What do you think? Absolutely, I also just studied a little bit. We also just had a little bit of investigation regarding what the U.S. market is. Currently, approximately seven hundred dollars they are giving, which is much more higher than the three years average. If you see from two thousand eighteen to nineteen and twenty, if you see some three years average, still the price is much higher. But currently, in uh, what I see for the European side, also that sawmills doesn't only want to rely on US. They also like for the past six six months, they were only relying on US. They were only shipping to US and the other markets. Only they were giving some rejects for the US sizes. But now they have like they want to place all their eggs in other different countries. They all want the orders for all the countries and. They have started like manufacturing for the US more and more, but right now they feel is to keep all the markets. That is the strategically responsible thing to do with global Absolutely. markets being as volatile as they are. Global market and with the global trend going on. So, how do you think that the coming six months will look in the timber market, both in India and globally? For me personally, it would be a wait, wait and watch because it can be anything. Like there are some. New, like currently, there is a new strain for the COVID, which can even lead to a wave, third wave in some other countries. Currently, the German countries facing more of COVID cases. In Russia, there is an increase in COVID cases. So, what the impact would be? Some something that 2020 would be more free, and the people could roam more freely. So that depends. Like it's a wait and watch period. How the market would react? Whether the market would be more better or worse? It depends. If you have a third wave, if you have a third wave in most of the countries, the market—I don't know how the market would react. That's why, for me, it would be a wait and watch. But still, the demand would be steady. The housing sector would be doing much more better in the coming years as well, because of the growing demand. And after COVID, that people need more of space. They need independent spaces more, more of construction, like in the US and the other countries as well. Similarly, I can feel in India as well that people. Who are so uh, living in congested areas are shifting to more suburbs or free areas where there is not low much population because of the COVID. So it would be a wait and watch situation, definitely. Very fair point. My last question to you, Ayush, is: You're a company that is active in so many markets around the world. How do you use technology to compete globally, and how would you like to see technology being used in the industry? I would definitely give hands up and definitely some appreciation for your dedication to change the market scenario to introduce a new platform like Timber Exchange where you can digitalize your imports, exports even for the sawmills, and a dedicated software for timber industry, a dedicated software for the timber industry. Currently, we are using some ERPs for inventory management, even for some accounting purposes. We are using ERPs. Without that, I think no currently no uh, organization or no company can grow. They are the basics, and we are also like currently active on Timber Exchange. We are regularly getting some offers from some sawmills, and we uh, that's also a great platform for the suppliers or for the sawmills as well to see the confidence uh, to see the. Credit worthiness or the worthiness of the buyers, whether if they say something, is it correct or it can be like verified from this platform. So I see that the technology coming years 
in the past years also in the past decade also it has played a lot more role and in coming years also it will be playing a bigger role firstly thank you very thank you very very much ayush sincerely for your kind words and appreciation of what we have been working to build and you have seen this company grow from just one employee and now to 32 employees but uh, something more concrete what would you like to see more uh, automatic tenders recommendations electronic shipping documents integration to customs integration to shipping lines what are some of the processes which you are currently which like, you would like to automate i would just like to automate plant quarantine department if it could be automated online currently we only work for phytos and everything everything else there is some process for automation like the cva bills have come you can electronize your uh, billing bill of ladings even the invoices or packing list they are not such such more uh, like big constraints or the certificate of origins but the only matter currently for the timber industry is the P, uh, phyto certificate or phyto sanitary certificate so if it could be it could be digitalized but there has to be a revolution something like revolution because you need to involve all the forest departments of all the countries and how to make some system that it could be digitalized like if the sawmill gives issue can they can issue a digital phyto certificate that can be seen in the indian systems so that would be a major major help because that would erase people who are dealing in illegal wood because i can see like i know people i there are some people who can buy illegal logs illegal wood cheaper price and spoil the market spoil the customers and people who are playing it fair who are buying it fair with transparency with all the legal documents find it hard to sell because someone is buying illegal and they can legalize their wood so that's a bigger like constraint so this was also like eradicate this problem so i would like to see this phyto certificate being digitalized that's like my vision <laughs> very good point we're actually in our platform timber exchange we actually are connected to chambers of commerce in eight countries for certificate of origin and euro 1 for example canada sweden uk lithuania and other countries and i know that there are electronic phytos in a few few countries i know that one of them is argentina and i've spoken to the um, i'm not sure of the name in english but the authority that gives out the phytosanitary certificate here in sweden and i know that there's an eu project working on electronic phytos and i know that the swedish authority is wants to embrace this and to do this but because it's a very big project and like you said it involves a lot of countries and stakeholders it's taking time and i know from other industries actually like metals and agricultural products and cotton that depending on the product of course that in these industries there you can actually create with different authorities a full set of electronic shipping documents and then there are ways to transfer the ownership of those documents to your bank to the exporter's producer can export it to his bank who then transfers it to the importer's bank and then after payment gives the authority and usage of it to the importer so all of these things are happening and what we're trying to do is to take the best practices from different industries integrate to banks to shipping lines we're already connected to 60 container lines same chambers of commerce like i said and so on and putting it all available in one place and creating extremely smooth processes and workflows in order to automate all the steps from inquiry of timber 
like a tendering process, all the way until the cargo arrives at final destination, including warnings of legal obligations, who forgot to do what, and having, you know, all, all files, correspondence, specifications, and cooperation in one, and tracking in one place instead of it being spread out today like it is. That's 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 very 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 good to know. Hopefully, you come like with flying colors. You make some system and digitalize this as well. I firmly believe. I firmly give you my wishes for this platform, and it's a very very good platform. And I would recommend. I have recommended, and I would recommend people who are listening to even once try this platform. Thank you. It has good visions, views, hard works. Thank you very much, Mr. Ayush. And one new thing, actually, which we launched since we last spoke is actually a market data hub. Because as we spoke, sawmills that that even have offices around the world, they know what's happening in global timber markets. But when you are a timber buyer or importer in one market, sure, you can hear what is happening in, let's say, Holland, Egypt, China, but you don't actually know. So what we have built is something we call a market data hub, which covers with official data, production, inventory, loading, and consumption and price data across key markets from the US to China and from Sweden down to, to Chile. So that you as a buyer, even or any player that is active in the global industry can know what is happening around the world and not go based on not make decisions based on rumors but actually have have the data in front of you regularly regularly updated on a monthly basis that's an added feature i would say i would definitely check it and like it would be a daily daily checker for that one because without information no one can do business even like no one can manufacture even for the manufacturers even for the buyers anyone information is the key and if we can find it that on your platform that's the best one like i that's the last resort to go somewhere that's like very 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 good so thank you i appreciate that mr ayush it's been a sincere pleasure speaking with you today and thank you for same yes the same it's my pleasure and it was thank like thank you for sharing your insights on the indian timber market so that we can learn about your country how your industry works how the industry in your country works and what the future holds and how countries around the world can participate in the Indian growth journey. That's that's great, sir. That's absolutely great. Same here, sir. My best wishes and all the best luck and be safe. Thank you very much. Likewise, truly indeed. Hope to see you soon. Thank you for listening to another episode of Timber and Technology Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. Or subscribe on our website at www.timber.exchange podcast. We'll see you next time.